get used to that. Everybody who comes up here is going to say good morning. So say good morning. Young folks, go ahead down. If you haven't already, go ahead down to Sunday school. It's a blessing to be here this morning. I hope you realize how fortunate really we are. The scripture says we praise God that our lot has fallen in pleasant places. To be here with one another like believers, to come out of this wicked world and focus on the word of God, to have fellowship one with another is a great, great privilege. Stop and think about the places you have heard of in this world where what we are doing this morning is illegal, even punishable. So we need to always keep in mind the blessing that God is giving us in this time. Because the time is coming when I believe, and most of us believe, we aren't going to sit here like we are today. There'll be fear. So, Let's rejoice and thank our God for what he's given us this day. Let's prepare our hearts. We need to clean ourselves up before we face the Lord and his word that he would uh, forgive us and put us in a right mind to receive his word. Let's pray together. Father Peter says we are high priests. If we look back at the Old Testament, there was a great deal of cleaning and ceremony to be done before the high priest could appear before you. The veil has been torn by Christ. We now have access. We now, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it's necessary that we should be able to hear the word of God. So Father, speak. Let us hear and understand, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We are still in Peter. We're going to finish up, Lord willing, this section of uh, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3. These are believers, a little review. These are believers who have been chased out of Jerusalem, persecuted because they have embraced Christ. Some of you know in our day and age, there are various religions that if you reject that religion, you are in trouble, particularly with your family. We thank God are in that society, but much of the world is. And so Peter's addressing the needs of these people who have spread. They're called pilgrims. They're called strangers, aliens in foreign lands. But he makes it clear that we are the children of God. We're not the children of the world. We are the children of God. We are his particular people chosen for his purpose. And so we need to separate ourselves. He tells us to be holy as our God is holy. That basic word holy is separate, different, not like. We are not to be like the world. But we have a God to bless us, to care for us. We're his people. We're in his hand. To gain and refresh ourselves of the time, the, the, the atmosphere in which these people worked. This is a timeline of Peter's. The church was established in, in the year 30 
in 33, Stephen was murdered, the first martyr. James is martyred in 44, and Paul's first missionary journey is in 47 through 48. The Jerusalem Council takes place in the year 49 and 50. Paul's second missionary journey is in 49, around 52. Nero, we all know Nero was just a lover of believers. He is in office in the year 54. Paul's third, mission, third missionary journey takes place in around 50, 50, 56 to 58. 58, the book of Romans is written. Paul is under house arrest in the year 60, 61. Peter writes now, notice the time frame. Peter writes now in the year about 53. The big fire is in Rome in which Nero blames the Christians in 64. In 66, 2 Peter is written. And in year one later, 67, Peter and Paul are murdered. Martyred. Roman Emperor Nero dies in 68. The destruction of Jerusalem. Rome had had enough. Destroyed Jerusalem in 70. Notice the atmosphere that these believers are functioning under. If you remember correctly, we went through some of the things that they were persecuted for. These are historical documents documenting the persecution of the church of Christians. Social, economic conditions socially brought persecution. Christians were put on the imperial list of illicit sex in the year 50. 54, it was declared illegal to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is politically, this is under government. In the year 50, it is illegal to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Another reason, Christians refuse emperor worship. They would not acknowledge the emperor as a god. No. Neither would they acknowledge other gods as being god. They were <laughs> difficult about this. They didn't take it lightly. No, there is no other god. Yahweh, Jehovah, he is god. Serve him. And it brought persecution. These were social outcasts. These people are contrary to the norm of society. Christians were accused of being atheists because they didn't acknowledge any other god. They refused emperor worship. They were accused of treason because they were against the government policy of worshiping the emperor. Gives us a little light into when they came to Jesus. Are we supposed to give money to Caesar? And Jesus said, eh, what Caesar's give to Caesar? Ooh, this hurt some of the Jews because they wanted to overthrow Rome. Well, you're worshiping Caesar. I'm not worshiping Caesar. I'm just giving Caesar's what's his. That was a problem with the Jews in Christ that he paid no attention to the emperor worship in that respect. They were accused of immorality, immoral practices, including cannibalism, incest, bestialism. 
This is what they worked under. Your neighbor would be thinking this of you. How do you think they would respond to you in our age? This is what these people were suffering under. They were charged, and I loved this one, they were charged of haters of humanity, being irrational in their beliefs. For many provincial governments upheld this view of the early church. Haters of humanity. In our current time, when we stand against the wicked, immoral sins of this generation, the sexual perversion, the sexual manipulations, the over-interest in the manipulation of sex, free sex whenever we want, and we say no, we are speaking against humanity. What's the matter with us? Condemning hateful people. You can't preach against homosexuality in England, you'll go to jail. It's hate speech. This is what these people were suffering under. And it is recognized by many, but it's coming our way also. You can't, you can't go in school and preach against homosexuality. You can't do it. You will be thrown out. I just read a little piece yesterday as it was of teachers right now will lose their job if they teach against the current model of morality. You can't even say black lives is a problem, that that doctrine is wrong. Can't say it, you will lose your job. I say to bring it up now so that we get an idea of what these people were suffering under, and it gives some understanding as to what Peter is saying. So often when we stir the word, we need a little backdrop so that we begin to put together the pieces of the various writers. We, therefore must recognize that we have a purpose in this society. Peter makes that real clear in chapter 2, verse 9. He says, we, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Here's the purpose, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once a people, not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So Peter's making it real clear for these people who are having a problem over here as to who they are. They are not responsible to the social norms. They're responsible to God. They are God's own people for his own purpose. What's that purpose? To reveal him in all of his splendor, in all of his glory. That's their purpose. And Peter's going to write to help them get through life accomplishing that purpose. We have a purpose. You hear it said all the time here on mission. Our mission is to preach Christ. Our mission is to make disciples. All that other stuff does not matter. 
in that it takes priority over our purpose, preaching the gospel and making disciples. Now, making disciples, we will deal with the other issues as we're making disciples. But we do not go out in the street and preach against homosexuality. We go out in the street and preach Christ and him crucified. Because that's what saves a person. That's what changes a person's thinking so that they can understand the problems of the immorality that's in our nation. So what does Peter do? Starting in verse 8. Peter has in the first, uh, we're still at chapter 3, by the way. Peter has, first of all, talked to about our responsibility to government. Then he talked about our responsibility to our masters. Then he gives us an example of Christ, how Christ dealt with those outside the church, those who are his accusers, and then he mentioned how he dealt with us in the church. By his wounds we are healed. Now in the second half, he talks about the husband and wife as believers. Here's how you conduct yourself. Then he talks first to the wife, then he speaks to the husband. So there's two sections as Peter tells us how to respond to each of these circumstances. And now in verse 8, he said, now to sum this up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, loving, compassionate, humble. Here's the negative. Not returning evil for evil. Not returning insult for insult, but here's what we do. We give a blessing instead. For you were called to inherit a blessing. Why? This is necessary for the support of these believers under difficult times. They need to find a place of support so that they can be about the business, so that they can maintain their faith and accomplish the purpose for which they're called, to reveal God, to reveal Christ. We have to have support. That's why we're all sitting here. This is a place we come and hide. This is a pleasant place. The world isn't in here. Christ is here. The Holy Spirit is here. We went through all the various aspects. The harmonious, working together, sympathizing together, helping one another, loving one another to accomplish the purpose for which we are called. Remember, we're God's chosen people to do his work. And in that, we help one another do God's work. Sympathetic to the suffering we heard this morning, others suffering, and we pray for them. It helps if we go look them in the face and shed a tear with them. Sympathetic. We are touched with their hurts. We feel it. We have brotherly love one to another. We're kind-hearted toward one another. 
not returning evil to evil, not insult for insult. We're kind toward one another, even if things don't seem quite right. We're going to be kind-hearted toward one another. We're humble. Humble. Who am I that I should speak the word of God? Not thinking more highly than we ought to think. The scripture tells us that pride comes before destruction. No, we stay humble. And so we went through that, understanding these characteristics and why they are necessary to the flock of God. Because underneath it, we have a purpose. And these persecutions, these troubles, hinder us. Get that in mind. There are people right now across this world who are not in church, not in fellowship with somebody because they are afraid. And so we come together to strengthen each other's faith, to trust the Lord. Come on, we can do this. God is with us. Remember, his possession. We're his chosen people. He gave us a job to do, and he will enable us to do it. Trust him. And so now he gives us this passage that, huh? What in the world? The one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. What in the world does this have to do with anything? <laughs> well, it's a quote from uh, Psalm 34. If you want to turn there, Psalm 34. Once we begin to understand the psalm, it will begin to make a little sense as to why Peter put it in here. Keep in mind, these are people who are fearful. These are people who are suffering. These are people who are looking at real trouble, not fictitious. We can only imagine it as we sit here today. These Christians were experiencing it even as David. Psalm 34, Psalm of David who pretended to be a sane man, an insane man, so that Abimelech would chase him out, out, of the Philistia, out of Philistia. Starting in verse 1, listen to David, who, this is the time in his life when Saul was trying to kill him, chasing him. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Exalt the Lord with me. And let's exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He rescued me from all my fears. Mark that. He heard me when I called. He rescued me from all my fears. These people were fearful. They were in real potential trouble. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces will never be ashamed. Verse 6, this wretched man, is David again, this wretched man cried out and the Lord heard this wretched man and saved him out of all his trouble. Notice what David marks himself as, a wretched man being delivered by God. 
Peter's going to touch on that in a minute when he continues this passage. Verse, uh, verse 7, The angel of the Lord encompassed around those who fear him and rescue them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you saints. For to those who fear him, there is no lack of anything. The young lions, they do without. They suffer hunger. But they who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Now here's where Peter begins to pick it up, but not with this. I thought verse 11 was telling. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Here's what David learned. And here's what Peter picks up. Who is the person who desires life and love, lengths of days, that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil. Keep your lips from speaking deceit. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Catch this. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. His ears are toward their cry for help. The face of the Lord is against those evildoers to eliminate their memory from the face of the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. The afflictions of the righteous are many, but the Lord rescues them from them all. He protects, he protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil will bring death to the wicked. And those who hate righteousness will suffer for their guilt. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will suffer their guilt. Now we begin to see why Peter used it. These people are suffering. They need hope. And Peter gives them that hope through this psalm. If you read Peter, First and Second Peter, you have no doubt that these readers of Peter's letter knew the Old Testament. There are too many references of the Old Testament to believe that who Peter is writing to didn't know what he was talking about when he brings up these Old Testament passages. And so Peter is free to use this excerpt to encourage them, not to condemn them, but to encourage them in their love, in their good works one toward another sympathizing with one another, recognizing that you are suffering the same as I'm suffering, and we're going to help each other get through this. Of one mind. David defines righteousness and evil. Righteousness and unrighteousness. He makes it very clear, and I think that's important, why he speaks to these people. Spouse. Now, that's a husband or that's a wife. Your mate ever in a bad mood? How'd you know? Well, you should have heard what they said. Snapped. What do you mean? Get the gadget. It's a gadget. I don't know what a gadget is. 
Don't you know what a gadget is by now? Bad-tempered. When we're under stress, some of you have spent time in the hospital or in rehabs, and you have heard people in pain and people in trouble, and they're just wonderful people, aren't they? No. Complaining, nagging, grouchy, nothing's going to satisfy them. I listened to, <laughs> listened to a man in the police fight for hours. Sir, you need to be here. Get me out of here, you blankety blank people. Went on for hours trying to help this guy. He would not be helped. We're not in our best behavior when we're in trouble, when we're fearful. We tend to throw off our confidence in God. He isn't going to help me. This situation is bigger than me. And we are there to sympathize and help, to support, to strengthen. So what does he say? The one who desires life, a happy, blessed life with God and God's people, to love, to see good days, profitable days, Days in growth in Christian life. Days of experience with God's blessing upon us. You want to see this? Here's direct command. Then you must keep, keep, stop your tongue from evil speaking and your lips from speaking deceit. Did you ever think about that? What do we do when we come here today? What is the preparation that the Lord gives us in Hebrews about being here today? Consider one another. Be sympathetic, be loving, be kind-hearted, be brotherly toward one another. And do what? Stir one another up to love and good works. Stir one another up to love and good works. So we must be sure when we come here, we take a time to think about what I'm going to say to people. Is what I'm going to say to them build up their faith? Or insult them unintentionally? Hey, man, where in the world did you get those ugly shoes? Oh, did I say that out loud? Be careful how we speak. We need to understand biblical evil in, the, in this account. Remember, I already talked about it. A bad nature. Cranky, irritable, a mode of thinking. Feelings are acting that I'm not getting my due, that I'm not getting what I should be getting. I don't, nobody appreciates what I'm doing. This evil speaking comes from a personal inside condition. That's why when we come together, we want to kind of be sure that we're walking with the Lord and not in the flesh. Because if you come here in the flesh, you'll have reason <laughs> to complain. Look around. We're an odd bunch. When we talk about the Lord, I hey, a great bunch of people. Well, we talk about the other things. <laughs> Watch out. 
Well, our fellowship is with the Lord. Paul, I don't want to know anything about nothing. I don't want to know your hair color. I don't want to know the clothes you like. I, I, no, I want to know Christ and him crucified. <laughs> There's protection there. This evil. It's, it's per, uh, uh, troublesome, injurious, pernicious. It's destructive. It's destructive to the harmony that Peter's been talking about. Loving, kindness, building one another from the faith, supporting one another. It's destructive to that. This word pernicious that was used in the, to this word of evil is an interesting word. It's having a harmful effect, especially in a gradual or subtle way. Hey, Eve, how you doing? You know, thinking about what the Lord told you, did he really tell you that the day you eat of this fruit, you're going to die? I don't think you understood what's going on here, Eve. That's evil speech. That's evil speech. It's been lately on my mind that I find interesting about myself, and you probably find it interesting about yourself. Why do we continue to talk about something that's already settled? What is that? It's done. The old expression, crying over spilt milk. It's, it's done. What's left to be said? Well, you, yeah, they shouldn't have, but they did. Milk's good. It's been mopped up. It's over. Yeah, well, I remember when you spilt that milk. It's over. Move on. Forget about it. You know, I hate the color of those walls. Well, it's the color they are. Let's move on. We need to be careful of our opinions. Are they worthy, really worth speaking? Evaluate your day. I encourage you to do this. When you go to bed at night, particularly if you don't go to sleep right away. Evaluate your speech for the day. What was worth saying? <laughs> what was beneficial? Scripture tells the Lord is going to call an account every idle word. Ooh. Our speech can be evil and we don't even know it. Sometimes our foolish jesting can insult somebody with not being the intent, but they're insulted nonetheless. And they might hold a little bit of a grudge. And they might tell somebody else, yeah, well, they did that to me too. And it starts. The little grumbling. The little bitterness. We need to be very, very careful of our speech. Insulting, railing on one another. No, it has to be stopped. You must... Turn from evil and do good. This turning is an absolute turning. There is an opportunity to speak what may be evil. No. It's that literal. No. But that takes thinking. That takes, what am I doing? What am I going to say here? In order to stop, you must stop. Turn. And do what? Do good. I'm going to praise the brother. I'm going to praise the sister. 
rather than point out the error over here. Love covers a multitude of sins. Then he says, verse, uh, at the end of the last, last half, by the way, of verse 11, he must seek peace and pursue it. Must, command, seek peace and go after it. Seeking something simple. You lose your car keys? Look for them, didn't find them? Well, did you just quit and say, oh, I'm never going to drive again? No, you searched till you found them. Seek peace. Seek peace. Yeah, but you don't understand. No, seek peace in the situation. Harmony. Working together so that we don't separate. So there's nothing between us. I love the old hymn, nothing between my soul and the Savior. Nothing between these delusive dreams. Nothing between. Nothing between. Peace, harmony, tranquility. That's what we hope we have when we come together. This is the place of peace. Oh, finally. No fights, no squabbles. I don't have to worry about what they said on the news. We're here together before God who answers our prayers, who cares for us. Peace. And pursue it. This word pursue has it with it. You ever see the red lights going down the street chasing that car that just went by you at 100 miles an hour? That's pursuit. This isn't casual. This is particular. And that cop's going to catch that guy. And I'm going to continue to search, pursue peace until I find peace. Until I bring it. Got something against your brother? Go to your brother, him privately, and get it straightened out. Peace. Some of you have experienced it. Churches literally falling apart. How did it happen? Because somebody said. Somebody took issue. And others agreed. And we're leaving. It's all done by speech. If Eve hadn't listened to the devil and the devil hadn't spoken, we wouldn't be sinners today. Most likely. Speech. Tower of Babel. How, do you, how did the Lord overcome the sin? He separated them by their speech. Couldn't understand each other anymore. Our tongue innocently, remember that word pernicious, can have a long-term effect on our attitudes. It can affect that group, affect this group. We all have our thing. Some of it's about time. Some of it's about clothes. Some of it's about, about, name it. We're all different. What we have in common is Christ. And the common salvation. And the things that accompany salvation. This is what we have. So we need to be very, very careful about our speech. And now listen to what the Lord says, verse 12. As he said, as David said, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against evildoers. This is the second time that Peter has mentioned prayer. Remember, husband? Husbands, love your wife, care for your wife, take care of your wife, so that your prayers will not be hindered. 
here. The face is against. Against those who do evil. Now in Psalms, uh, in Psalm 34, David said to cut them off from the face of the earth, to cut off their memory. Peter doesn't go there. He stops. Because now is the day of salvation. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Peter wrote that. But we need to understand, uh, Mike did an excellent job in Deuteronomy showing us the promises of God and the curses of God. Do what I tell you to do, and I'm with you. Don't do, and I'm against you. Do right, and you'll have blessing. Do wrong, and you'll have curses. It hasn't changed. The eternal punishment has changed. But not the principle. This word against is the same word. It's interesting. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, but the face of the Lord is on evildoers. It's the same word. Keep that in mind. There is no, there is no place where we're slack. I don't know what you see or what you feel in your relationship with one another. Am I too comfortable? Am I too comfortable with my schedule? What happens if I change my schedule? How serious Am I about my hour-by-hour-by-hour thought process? It's becoming more and more aware, as Lauren brought out, the world order, what the world wants. What the world has worked out for us is this. We are just too busy. I've got too much to do. I've got three quarters of an hour to work. I've got to get up early. I've got to get shaved. got to get cleaned up. got to take a shower. got to drive to work. Ah, oh, work. Pile up, pile up. Work, 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 work. We're now working until 5.30, 6 o'clock at night. Now I've got to drive home. Traffic is what it is. I'm beat. I need some time for myself. Period. It's the world system. And the only way (laughs) we will overcome is the same way you get a pay raise. Stop buying coffee. (laughs) You'll make $40 extra a week. (laughs) Turn off the cable. You'll make $100 a week. You want to serve the Lord? Then you got to get stuff out of your life. It's the only way. The devil isn't going to give you time. He is going to have you so busy. You know, we can even get so busy in ministry that we don't have time to sit down and meditate in the Word. We need to understand this world system that we're working in. Our persecution is different. But we need to be aware of what our persecution is. Right now, the attack on us is pleasures, rest, 
Rest, that's a big one. Physical comfort. There's a group of us here that are here on some kind of medication to ease the pain. We want to rest. But we can't accomplish the Lord's work sitting down. Prayer we can. How many hours a day or how many days a week have you found you skipped real prayer? Have you taken the time to sit down in front of the Lord with your Bible? Now, you may not have to have the Bible, remembering Scripture, saying, Lord, teach me. Evaluate me, Lord. Show me what I can do to serve you better. And the devil said, well, you're doing enough now. Oh, really? We have a work to do. We cannot let evil tongue, we cannot let wickedness divide us. If there's a problem, we go to the brother, sister, we get it straightened out and move on. Together we go ahead serving the Lord, doing what we're supposed to do. That's what we do. Peter continues. Now, by the way, you can see how this psalm helps these people who are in trouble. Gives them confidence in their God. He will hear us. He will deliver us. He will make a way for us. We're his. We're in him. He's our refuge. His chosen people. He will enable us to overcome the evil that's about us. So Peter eliminates us being erased, our memory from the face of the earth. Instead, later on, he'll tell us, this is a time of patience, that none will perish, but that all will come to repentance and faith in Christ. Interesting verse to remember, verse of Proverbs 17, 9, the one who conceals in offense seeks love. But the one who repeats a matter, now catch this, separates close friends. Have you been told something in private about somebody? Don't repeat it. Don't repeat it. In the back of my mind, if I won't stand up in the congregation and tell everybody about that, then I won't do it. Shouldn't do it. That's an excellent verse to remember as a congregation, as fellowshipping one with another. Conceal the offense. Seek love. But the one who repeats it to others has a good chance of separating close friends. Our close friends, their close friends. Peter goes on. Verse 13 And who is there to harm you if you prove zealous of what is good? But even if you do suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Don't be fearful of their intimidation. Don't be in dread. But sanctify the Lord Jesus in your heart, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you of the hope that is in you. Keep a good conscience so that in the things that they slander you, 
who disparage your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better, if it be the will of God, for you suffer for doing what is right rather than what is wrong. For Jesus Christ also suffered once in the flesh for sin for all time, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Then he goes on with the proclamation to the saints, uh, to the spirits. The goal must stay before us, our walk with the Lord, our purpose for which we're saved. That is the goal. And take heed. Peter shows them the hope, but he shows them how to lose that hope. Evil, particularly through the speaking. Honor God in our speech and in our thoughts. Remember, out of the thoughts come the issues of life. If I'm thinking good about you, I will say good about you. If I'm thinking evil about you, I may not say it. <laughs> Praise God, I don't. Get that straightened out. Confess it. Forsake it. These are saved people. These are people who have dealt with the issue of their own relationship with God. Do you have a relationship with God? Are you sure you have a relationship with God? Does God's word speak to you, teach you, instruct you? We all know the phrase, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's the promise. And your household. There's a lot of people know, but they haven't done. Believe, trust, rely on for real things, for my real sin, for my real bad thinking. I'm trusting his forgiveness for those. And I'm taking on his goodness to be mine, even though I don't see it. I have his righteousness, not my own. Not of works which we have done, but it's his work through grace. Believe him, trust him. David says, God cut off their memory off from the face of the earth. We know that there is an eternal separation to the people who do not embrace Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be delivered from that eternal separation. And your household, if they believe, will be delivered from that eternal separation. Let's pray. Father, the work's not finished. It is with Christ. It is with our salvation. But we have not yet come to perfection. So, Father, work in our hearts and minds. Make us steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the faith. Seeking you and your word, seeking to understand your word, and not just to know it, but to do it. For Jesus said of the disciples, teach them to do everything I've commanded you. We thank you for your word. It wakes us up, teaches us, shows us, especially the inward part. So thank you for your word, Father. Bless our day now. Bless the communion service. We just thank you that we know you and remember what you have done for us so clearly at this table. 
Thank you that our pastor is back for the day. Bless him as he speaks to us. Bless us as we hear, for we ask it in Jesus' name.